Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Uh, I'm sure the Premier's happy with the announcement uh, moments ago from C- the uh, appeals court here in Ontario. Uh, they have announced this morning that they will continue with the stay that uh, the province had asked for. Uh, and this all has to do with the reduction of the size of Toronto City Council. Uh, of course, obviously, the, the Ford government wanted to move it down to 25 uh, from the original 47, and uh, the city appealed that, and apparently this, the appeal is not going to go through. Or so, That's the latest word we have now. Joining us to talk about the implications of this is Andrea Perella, who is an associate professor and director at the Laurier Institute for the Study of Public Opinion and Policy at Wilfrid Laurier University. Andrea, thank you so much for the time. It's great to have you with us today. Good to be here. All right, try to decipher this stuff for us, will you? Where are we now, and what does this decision mean? It means that Toronto will have an election based on Doug Ford's plan of 25 wards. All right, so that's it's settled now. Are, are, are there a, a, the possibility of any more appeals? Can the Toronto uh, City Council do anything about this now, or are they simply stuck with this decision? Well, they're pretty much stuck with this decision. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's settled. Um, the judge said, given the imperativeness, basically they have to make a decision now because the election is happening soon, um, and so they rendered a decision based on that context. Um, but the idea whether this is settled is is, is not. Um, that question has not been settled. Um, because the idea is that after the election, there will be some deliberations and some, and some talk about where do we go from here. Um, and so politically, this is not settled. Constitutionally, legally, that's a different matter. Um, but politically, it, this is not over, as, as we can say. And I guess one of the uh, the offshoots of this, obviously, is uh, the government uh, will not be invoking the notwithstanding clause now because they don't need to. That's right. Um, so the, the appeal court... Um, believe that um, the original court, or the original judge, erred in ruling that Bill 5 was unconstitutional. Um, so the, the province has the right, according to the appeal court, the right to um, interfere in the way that it did. Uh, whether that's appropriate, whether that's a nice thing to do, again, that's a whole different ballgame. Um, but uh, constitutionally, it is uh, the, the appeal court ruled that, yes, uh, Doug Ford was within the Constitution to do what he did. And, and wasn't that the crux of a lot of the outrage that resulted from that the initial provincial decision uh, to, to reduce the Toronto City Council size, uh, even after the, ele- well, the middle of an election campaign? I, I, I think everybody, I, I think, is aware of the fact and probably accepts the fact that, look, at every municipality, Hamilton, Toronto, everyone else, are, are children of the province. And, and you know, we, we exist at the behest of the province. We, we all get that. But I, I think it shocked an awful lot of people that, uh, that they, the province would come down in, in the way that they did. It's timing more than anything else, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, I think the public, uh, in general, the public, the electorate, voters, are very concerned about the way this was handled. Um, and there's a poll that's uh, that just out by Ipsos that shows that most Canadians, most Ontarians, definitely most Torontonians, are opposed to the way this was handled. Uh, had had uh, the Conservative government waited until after this round of municipal elections to say, all right, next time, next municipal election, we're going to have a few rewards, we're going to save taxpayers money, we're going to streamline um, this, that, and the other, I think then there would be a lot less opposition. But the timing smacks of, of, of revenge, of, of, that the that Duck Ford is just out to get Toronto. Um, and so it, it doesn't seem politically 
appetizing. And, and, and a lot of Canadians are, are seeing this as a, a very vicious political ploy, not governance. So that's what they're concerned about. I don't think Canadians are really concerned about or, 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 or thinking mainly about the constitutional-slash-legal nature of this question. They're more looking at the appropriateness of the, the, the manner in which governments behave towards towards the public. And I think this is the, the, the crux of the matter. That's why I don't think this issue is necessarily settled. Legally, it may be, unless they take it to the Supreme Court. And I believe the judges who, um, not judges, the, the lawyers uh, who were contesting Doug Ford's moves here are prepared to go to the Supreme Court. So we may not have heard the last of the legal arguments. But uh, politically, I, I think the concern is, um, or, or people are asking, can, can our politicians really do this? Well, and, and because we've been there and done that, I mean, you know, here in Hamilton, we went through the amalgamation, well, what was, what, 18, 19 years ago, I guess, that the, the Mike Harris government said, okay, you're going to be amalgamated. But th- there was a process, Andrea, as you've, as you've referred to, that when there was public consultation. There were, you know, community meetings about this. They they took input from community leaders and from elected officials. Now, I don't know if they listened to it for, to any extent. They may have already had a predetermined idea what they wanted to do, but at least they went through that process. That, that didn't happen here. And Toronto had a referendum. Exactly. Um, right. Um, so, uh, no, that did not happen here. Well, it did not happen in a formal sense. They didn't have uh, public consultations as they normally do, where they would go to different cities and, and book uh, a venue and have presenters uh, either give oral presentations or, or um, uh, deliver um, reports or documents to, to, to air their particular perspective. Um, Doug Ford's interpretation is that he consulted voters during the campaign. Um, that may not be the same as what is expected from public consultations, which is more deliberative, more formal, uh, and, and, and documented. So you actually have papers that you can consult. You can go to a website and download uh, materials that were shared at these public consultations. That, that is not present here. So there is the absence of that. Um, but even if there were public consultations, the, the province is well within its right to say, oh, we'll just do whatever we want. Um, so, again, it's, 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 the, it's the distinction between what is legal and what is deemed to be appropriate. And, and I don't disagree, by the way, about the, your, the perception, because I've heard it from others, and I feel the same way about vengeance. I mean, he made a lot of enemies uh, during his brief time on Toronto Council, and, uh, and even some of his allies, uh, when Ford suggested this, said, ah, oh, this is great, we're going to get rid of all those NDP guys from Council. So you have to wonder what the motivation really was for this. Yeah, we, 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 we may not fully know the motivation. Um, it, it could be uh, trying to minimize the, the influence of NDPers on council, as, as Doug Ford would like to say, um, it, it's unclear at this t- at this stage because that, that is not something that that is is fully apparent. Uh, we're, we're speculating that it's about that. It, it was a, a populist move, though. I mean, in, 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 you go talk to anybody who's running for public office or any, or I, I can open the lines right now and say, should we have fewer politicians? You know that ninety percent of the people are going to say yes because most people seem to have a low opinion of politicians until they yeah. need them, obviously. Certainly, but but you have to build a business case to to do something like this, don't you? And suggest this is going to be more efficient. Yes, and the empirical evidence shows that it's not. Uh, when you reduce the size of a legislature in the name of saving money because you're paying fewer elected officials, you're not, you're not eliminating the work um, because uh, you're not eliminating the, the demands that come from the population. Uh, that's always going to be there. 
it's almost like saying, well, you know, let's streamline the medical system and have you know, fewer doctors. Um, that's not going to eliminate the number of sick people. So it's the same thing. And when you look at the evidence, you'll see that it becomes even more expensive. Legis elected officials rely on more staff, more research staff, more resources to get more work done that would otherwise would have been done with more um, elected officials. Uh, so I'm not making a case that we need more politicians, but in a complex society such as ours and, 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 and a complex, uh, diverse society such as Toronto, uh, maybe many, many, many more uh, counselors is not the answer, but fewer counselors may not be the answer as well. So we'll see what happens under 25, uh, but I, I, uh, the evidence suggests that Less is not necessarily a savings. You will spend money more on other things, and and the public may get less service as a result. Well, I saw that happen. I mean, I was on Hamilton Council after amalgamation for nine years, and uh, we saw exactly what you've just described occur. Uh, there were fewer elected officials, sure. But all of a sudden, there was a ballooning number of staff people that had to be hired to accommodate the request and the services that had to be supplied here. Uh, and it did not save money. I mean, initially, it did over the first couple of months, and, and but then there were buy-up packages, and then we had to hire more staff to replace those people, and it ended up costing more money. And, and I know that happened in Toronto, and it's happened in just about every other amalgamated city, where they said, okay, reduction is going to be a savings to us. It just doesn't work that way. Because the public only sees the elected official. They don't see the mechanics behind uh, those offices. Uh, and this is something that is totally out of view. We, we see in the news uh, speeches from elected officials, from party leaders. We don't see the back office. Uh, and that is true of any industry. Uh, we see the, the salesperson, but we don't see the back office that supports the, sale, the salesperson. Uh, you know, we see the, the doctor, but we don't see the back office that supports the doctor. So this is a problem um, that, uh, that, uh, of awareness. Um, so, yes, you see the elected official, and you may have an, a negative view of politicians, so the less of those, better. But there's a back office. There's a back administration to all of those offices, and you cannot easily reduce that. What's going to happen next? I mean, I'll ask you to crystal ball here for just a couple of seconds. And uh, there's a story going on here in Hamilton, by the way. The Burlington Mayor uh, Rick Goldwing apparently has already had some discussions with some people at Queens Park about about annexing water down out of Hamilton and taking it over to Burlington. I don't know if that's going to go anywhere, but he mentioned to us when he was on the program just a, a little while ago, Andrea, that that uh, he got the sense from the ministry uh, that, that you know, they're looking at, at governance right across the province right now. Are we, is there going to be a review of amalgamation of regional governments? Uh, is, is everything going to be on the table now? I believe one of Doug Ford's priorities is to reform municipal governments across the board. Uh, and one idea that I recall discussed during the campaign was um, reforming municipalities so they have strong mayors as opposed to having councils that can hold a mayor to account. Um, so we may be heading in that direction, and maybe this interference with Toronto was, uh, and, uh, and also interference with other regional governments that were that had appointed, uh, that he appointed the chair, as opposed to having the, the chair of, the, of those regional municipalities elected uh, in a, uh, from the residents there. So this could be all initial steps towards major reforms of municipalities so that mayors are more independent and they can do they can get away with more uh, now why that is a motivation i don't know i mean there could be speculation that it may benefit developers who have fewer individuals to appeal to as opposed to trying to make your case to a council um, 
which uh, of, of many people, you, you can make your case to a mayor, a single mayor, uh, which is more likely to to uh, uh, permit developers to to um, buy up land and convert it into housing or whatnot. So there, there could be something to that, but that's all speculation. But I, I, I did hear during the campaign that that was one of his priorities, is, is to uh, make mayors stronger. Uh, I'm certainly, the, uh, an awful lot of the mayors, they'd love to see that sort of thing going on too, because, well, for instance, here in Hamilton, obviously we have a, a mayor and, and, and 15 other people on council, but the reality is, is he's only one vote on council. And you're right, that the strong mayor formula uh, gives the mayor immense powers, uh, actually to appoint some staff th- uh, through his office as opposed to by the council. Uh, and, of course, the, you get into other areas about they can get into too. Uh, I don't know that, uh, that, that there's any proven record that that's a better system. Well, it all depends on who benefits. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, who, who benefits? Is it the citizens? Is it taxpayers? Is it industry? Is it developers? Who knows? Um, but that is a movement that we're seeing as well. At the same time, there's also some discussion about maybe it's maybe Canada has matured to the point where municipalities should be recognized as a constitutional order of government. Uh, and there are ways to do that without necessarily amending the, uh, the Constitution. Um, but a city like Toronto, which has matured beyond just that of a, a municipality, it has matured to the point that it accounts for a great chunk of Canada, uh, Canada's and Ontario's economy. Um, it, it's, it's very important strategically to um, the nation's well-being, you know, it, it, just the, the number of decisions and, and industries and, and companies that are based there and money that flows through there. Um, so there could be increased talk about having municipalities recognized as maybe not an official order of government, but as a devolved order of government, uh, similar to the Northwest Territories or to the Northern Territories, which act like provinces, but they're not yet technically a province. Um, they're devo- they have powers devolved to them, uh, and they behave like provinces. So municipalities may be hoping to, to um, see that happen in, in the future to prevent um, provincial governments from messing around with their affairs. That's a discussion I'd certainly like to see happen sooner than later. Andrea, thanks as always. Great to get your perspective on this. appreciate the time today. My pleasure. Take care. Andrea Pearl, of course, uh, from Wilford Laurier University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.